0: You are listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Like Charlie said, my name is Christian Wilder. I'm the student pastor here at Gateway Franklin Church. And being a young speaker, being a young preacher, you always want to put your best foot forward. You want to wow or impress, especially when you're talking to a new group. And it reminds me of a a story of a young preacher. In his first message to a specific congregation, he decided he was going to memorize his sermon. So he spent hours upon hours reciting, studying, perfecting this specific sermon. And then the day came. Sunday morning, he stood in the pulpit, ready to deliver his masterpiece. And when he started, he forgot everything. So he paused for effect. (sighs) Then he remembered the title. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, if I say the title loud enough, the rest of the message will come to me. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Nothing. So he stepped off to the right side and he did it again. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Still, he couldn't remember a single thing. So he goes over to the left side of the pulpit and for a third and final time, with all his might, all his gusto throwing his arms out wide, he said, behold, I'm coming quickly. And On that time, he tumbled off the edge of the stage and landed in the lap of an old lady. Now it took him a few moments to get him untangled and the young preacher started apologizing profusely. Ma'am, I am so sorry. He said, no, 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 Sonny, no need to be sorry. You told me you were coming quickly. I should have been ready. (laughs) I'm here to tell you today that I have not memorized this. I do have notes so you all have nothing to worry about at all. Today we're continuing our Summer in the Psalms, our Summer Playlist, Volume 2, and we're gonna be in Psalm chapter 88 this morning. So if you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn to Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is a, a prayer. It's a lament about the despair and distress that, that humans have as they venture through uh, this thing called life. And it's written by Haman the Ezraite. Now let's get a show, show of hands. Who here has ever heard of Haman the Ezraite? One person, that's awesome. Haman is only mentioned four times in the biblical narrative. Three of those times, it's in a a genealogy. And the fourth time he's mentioned as being wise among the ages compared to none other than uh, King Solomon, the wisest person to ever live. So why would Haman, one of the wisest people, write Psalm 88, his only entry into the biblical narrative, his one highlight reel, What is he trying to say to us today? In this psalm, one of two that do not end on a note of hope, one of two out of 150 that end on a note of despair. What is Haman trying to say to us today? So if you would, please stand as you're able to for the reading of God's word. Psalm 88 starting in verse 1. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Lord, we come before you today with open hearts, open minds, seeking you amidst the darkness, seeking you amidst the pain. Lord, you know our situations, you know our hearts. Lord, I pray for the person in the room that knows you the most, all the way down to the person in the room that knows you the least, that they will see you, they will know you, and be transformed by your presence. Lord, hide me behind your cross so the only thing is seen is you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So Psalm 88 the title of this message is Seeking Through Despair. And we're going to sp- uh, split this psalm up into five different sections. The first section, found in verses one and two, is entitled Seeking Through Distress. Seeking Through Distress. So the psalmist Haman opens up with this bold statement Lord, you are the God who saves me. He is speaking in the direction of the Lord, his God, the one that saves him, but how does he describe God? How does he describe this Lord, his God, as the one who saves him? Now that word saves, meaning deliverer, meaning victory, meaning salvation. So Haman here is crying out saying, I need salvation, Lord will you deliver me? Will you provide victory? But another way you can describe this word saves is to provide a general welfare. So not only is God seeking out you in victory and delivering you from something, he is also walking alongside you in your every moment. Day and night, he cries out to this God. And we look at these first two verses, we see a similarity and similarity is the word cry. Now the first cry is a directional cry. It is to God. He sees him, he feels him, so he can say, Lord, you are the one that saves me. But the second one is an ambiguous moan. It is saying, Lord, I don't know where you are. I don't see you. I don't feel you. But yet I cry out, hoping, knowing that it will reach your ears. Haman here in his life is spiraling out of control. He is descending into this distress and the only thing he can think to do is cry out. Have you ever been there in your life to where the world around you is crumbling down? Your life is spiraling out of control and you have no idea where to turn, where to go. Haman here is crying out and seeking God through the distress in his life. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, me and my dad were remodeling, repairing the house that we were staying in to, to sell it, to get an uptick in its value. And this one particular morning, we were working from eight to 11. And at that time, it was, it was lunchtime for me. I was gonna take a break, but my dad continued working um, through, through lunch. So I go to the kitchen, I fix myself a ham sandwich, go upstairs, open up my laptop, put some headphones on and I'm watching a movie, a movie called Home about a purple alien. Now don't ask me why I was watching that particular movie but that was the movie of the day. About 30 minutes into this movie, I heard a faint cry. Christian, Christian, come help me. Sure, that didn't come from the movie, did it? So I take my headphones off. Christian, Christian, come help me. So I ran out of the room across the balcony and I saw my dad on the top of a 15 foot ladder descending and he was falling to, to what was gonna be a severe injury. He was in his moment of distress. So I run down, I prop up my weight against the ladder and he climbs down to safety. Now my dad, he is he profusely afraid of heights. There's one thing in the world that he's most afraid of It is the fear of heights. So he was in his moment of distress. But what did he do? What was all that he could think to do? Cry out. Cry out. He didn't see me. He didn't feel my presence. But he cried out, hoping, knowing that it would reach my ears, that I would come and save him. And Haman is articulating the same thing. Lord, I'm descending into this distress, come and save me, I cry out to you, even though I don't know where you are. So we're seeking through distress. The second point today is seeking through abandonment. Seeking through abandonment found in verses three through five. Haman here turns from this introduction towards God into these I am statements. I am overwhelmed, he says. He's all-encompassing. He's describing his, his feelings, his torment that he's sitting through. And he says in verse three, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. Now this word death meaning, meaning hell, meaning the underworld, Sheol, the, the deepest, darkest place that you can think of. That's the literal translation of that word, that his life has become a living hell. But the figurative translation, it's a place absent without the praise of God. He is unable to to feel praise. He's unable to lift up his praise towards God. He's in his moment of abandonment where he feels God isn't even with him Uh, to comfort his feeling. But then he continues in verse four, saying, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. And the pit is, is a term for a well or a cistern. In the biblical times, and especially in the Middle East, wells were crucial to life. In the desert terrain, you needed a well to sustain you, to quench your thirst. So it was a good thing. But Haman here is saying the good thing the thing that brought me prosperity, the thing that brought me comfort and life has now turned up on itself and has become my place of bondage, has turned into my place of suffering. What's that place for you? The place that you turn to for comfort. The place that you turn to uh, when you're feeling down. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's an activity. Maybe it's a, a job. Maybe it's a place. When you go there, you feel rejuvenated. When you feel, go there, you feel like anything is possible. That place in your mind has come to the very place that is the author of Haman's torment. That everything that he knows is good is now bad. But what should he do? This section reaches its climax going into verse 5 as he says. Who you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. So, the same God that Haman declares his victory in verse one, the same God that Haman declares his deliverer, the same God that he says, You provide my general welfare. I don't even know if you remember who I am. I don't even know if you take care of me anymore. Lord, where are you? I feel alone, I feel abandoned. I don't know what to do. When I was about seven or eight years old, my family took a trip to Disney World. Disney World, it's a place of magic. It's a place of of dreams coming true. And this one particular day, we found ourselves in the Magic Kingdom, in the main pavilion area, watching a show between Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Goofy. They were putting on a little skit. um, And there was a massive humanity, a thousand people around that pavilion. Near the end of the show, I started to get thirsty and I saw a water fountain 30 feet to my right. And I I tap my sister on the shoulder. I say, hey, hey, Eliza, I'm going to go get some water. Make sure you don't leave. Make sure mom and dad don't leave without me. She looks at me and says, I got you, fam. And I did not know the betrayal that was about to happen. I look down. I noticed the plaque on the ground and I go over and take a sip of water. As I'm drinking this water, the show lets out. Chaos ensues. It was like a, an ant pile that just got trampled over, the ants swarming around. Nothing made sense, but I wasn't worried because my sister's got my back. I go back to where that plaque was and, and I noticed it on the ground and I looked up. I didn't recognize anybody. Everybody was a Stranger. Now that day my dad was wearing a pink $5 parking shirt. So it's easily recognized as a hot pink $5 parking shirt. You could see it from a mile away. There was no pink $5 parking shirt. So I go to the right side of the pavilion looking, hoping to find this hot pink $5 parking shirt and it wasn't there. I run over to the left side of the building hoping, looking for that hot pink $5 parking shirt and it was nowhere to be found. So I decided to go back to where the crime was committed, back to that plaque on the ground and I and I get there and I look up looking hoping to find that hot pink $5 parking shirt and it was nowhere to be found. I felt abandoned. I felt like my world was turning upside down. Even though it's a a silly illustration and my parents are here today, so everything turned out for us, praise the Lord. But to an eight-year-old, those those feelings were real. To an eight-year-old, I felt like my world was over. And Haman here is articulating the very same thing. He felt abandoned. He felt like God had turned his back on him. Everything was going wrong. But we have to, in those moments, choose to seek through the abandonment. So we're seeking through distress. When we feel this overwhelming nature, we lift our cry up, even if it's an ambiguous moan. We're seeking through abandonment. When we feel alone, we have to choose to to seek God amidst that abandonment. The third point today found in verses six through nine, is seeking through grief, seeking through grief. I want us to notice the subject change going into verse six. Verse uh, three through five are all about I am, these all-encompassing I am, I am overwhelmed, but the subject changes to you. You have put me in the lowest pit. You have put me in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. Haman here is looking for someone to blame. He's looking for an explanation. He's looking for some reason why all of this is happening. In verse six, it says, you have put me in the lowest pit. Now we've seen that word pit. The well, the cistern, the place that's good, the place of prosperity. Not only has the good turned bad, but God has done it to you. God has done it to Haman. He feels like the Lord is the author of his misery. He continues on saying, you have placed me in the darkest depths. The darkest depths is a reference to the sea, a reference to the chaos of the sea. And not only does he feel like God has placed him in the chaos of the sea, but placed him in the darkest parts of that chaos. Your wrath lies heavily on me. Wrath in the uh, Old Testament is often coined with disobedience. So you disobey and you assume the wrath of God. But he, he was going, Lord, what have I done? What have I done to wrong you? How have I been disobedient? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense, God. And he's expressing these not as a point of, of blaming God, but, but trying to wonder, trying to figure out his current situation. Going into verse eight, his His lament shifts from a a physical tormentation to a relational tormentation. Verse eight, it says, "'You have taken from me my closest friends "'and have made me repulsive to them.'" This word friends meaning Yada. Yada means to know. It's not just to know things about, but it's a deep, personal, interconnected knowing. So think of the people that know you the most. Think of the people that love you the most those people, maybe it's a spouse, child, a mother, a father, those people have turned their back on Haman and he feels this grief uh, overflowing his life and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to say and all he can express is the pain that he's feeling. George Matheson, the 19th century theologian, songwriter, hymnist, and when he was 20 years old, his career was getting off to a great start. He was, he was making all the, the albums. He was writing all this material that was getting printed and he was feeling good about himself. But at that time, he started to feel a twinkle in his eye. His vision started to blur. So he goes to the doctor. He gets checked out. They, they blow some, some air in his eye. His eyes get dilated. The doctor writes some notes down. They leave the room and they come back with the diagnosis. George, in, in two years' time, you're going to be completely blind. George takes the diagnosis. He's in this, this feeling of, of distraught. And he tries to run to the place of, of comfort, to his fiance's house. Knocks on the door, his fiance lets him in. And he starts to express the woes of, of what just happened. And what does his fiance do? Opens the door, throws him out, says, I can't marry, I can't be with a guy that's gonna be blind. He runs away, goes to his parents' house, seeking comfort, seeking some form of of feeling better. Knocks on the door, parents let him in. He tells them all that happened. Mom, dad, I'm gonna be blind. My fiance just, just ended things with me. I need you. What do his parents do? Open the door, kick him out, Say, we can't have a son that's not married and blind. It'd be a shame to this family. George's life is falling apart. Everything seems to be going wrong and he runs to his last resort, his last hope. Goes to his sister's house, knocks on the door. Sister lets him in and welcomes him. Gives him a bed and he stays there for a year, healing and coping with everything that had just happened. At the end of that year, he goes to a wedding, and at this wedding, all that healing, all that coping reopens, the wounds resurface, and the pain is just as real when it first happened. But through that pain, he wrote his most famous hymn he ever wrote, entitled, "O oh love that will not let me Go." The lyrics go like this: "O oh love that will not let me go, I rest, my weary soul in thee. O oh joy." that seeks me through the pain, I cannot close my eyes to you. O cross that fallest all my way, I dare not ask to fly from you. George's life was misery. He was in grief of what happened. But he wrote these lyrics in light of that that we should seek the love of God. We should seek the joy that the Lord gives and in response, God does the same thing. And Psalm 88 is is crying out this pain. The pain that seeks, the joy that seeks you through the pain. It doesn't say the joy that, that throws the pain out. It seeks me through the pain that I'm feeling, but sometimes all we can do is express it. All we can do is cry it out. So we're seeking through distress. We cry out to the Lord that saves us. We're seeking through abandonment. When we feel alone, we turn our face towards him. We're seeking through grief, knowing that the the joy of the Lord seeks us through the pain. The fourth point today is seeking through questions found in verses 10 through 14. Now, Uh, In reading this, I I came to find that there's three things that questions provide. Questions provide, firstly, they provide understanding. When you ask a question, you're, you're looking for an answer. So you ask, what is two plus two? And you come to understand that two plus two equals four. My dad is a math teacher. He's the best math teacher I ever had. And I would ask him, dad, what is X? hoping that he would tell me X is seven, or X is 12, or X is 20, hoping he would say that, but what would he say in response? Well, son, what do you know about X? Through that question, he is prodding me to understand the topic more. Through the question, you gain understanding. Haman here is trying to understand his circumstances. So he's asking these questions saying, Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna ask these questions and hope that understanding comes out of it. The second thing that questions provide, they provide understanding, they provide courage. Sometimes we feel small. Sometimes we feel so insignificant, we just need a little courage and Haman's in that boat. By asking these questions, courage is instilled in his soul. One of the questions that I think of that gives courage is, is, I don't know if it's a popular question, but a question that um, people ask, and it's, will you marry me? Leading up to that point, it's one of anxiety. It's one of stress. You want it to be a perfect moment. And you get on the knee and ask the question and everything melts away. Courage is instilled, hopefully, she said yes, and that gives you even more courage, right? But by Haman asking these questions, he feels small, but through them, courage is brought out. So they provide understanding, they provide courage. The third thing is they provide reminders. Haman says in verse 10, do you show your wonders to the dead? Lord, I don't even know if you're wonderful. I don't even remember a time when I saw your wonders. Remind me of those wonders. By asking this question, he is begging God, show me your wonders. Do the dead rise up and praise you? Lord, are you worthy of praise? Lord, by asking this question, Haman is saying, I don't remember a time when I praised you, but Lord, let that be so. Is your love declared in the grave? Lord, I don't remember a time when I felt your love, but let it be so. By asking these questions, Haman is is trying to remind himself of the things of God. So what questions do you need to ask today? What questions do you need to ask to, to gain understanding, to be instilled with courage? or a reminder of who God is or who the people around you are. God's not afraid of your questions. See, some of these questions, they they almost seem offensive. Do your wonders rise up? Is your love even there? But, But God can take them. What questions are you afraid to ask? What questions do you need to ask? So we're seeking through distress. We're seeking through abandonment. We're seeking through grief. We're seeking through questions. And the fifth point today, found in verses 15 to the end, is seeking through darkness. Seeking through darkness. In the midst of darkness, what shall we do? In the midst of darkness, what should be said? Haman here, he doesn't end on this note of hope. He doesn't say in light of all these things, Lord, I know you're good, you're faithful and everything will be all right. It doesn't say, and we lived happily ever after, does it? It goes into saying in verse 15, from my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. From the time, from even before I can remember, I've been in this pain. And I don't see a time where that will leave me. He's expressing, he's feeling, he's inviting you into his pain saying, I don't know, I don't know what's at the end of this road. I don't know what's gonna happen. All I know to do is shout this out. All I know to do is express what's happening. He repeats himself not to to speak light of his pain, but to give it over to God. What do you need to give over to God in, in this way? What do you need to shout out, proclaim, to, to lament? When Jesus was nearing the end of his life, he did just this. In his last night with his disciples, he gathered them together. He took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. He took the cup. Gave it to them and said, this is my blood shed for you. They had one last meal together and he went up into the garden to pray. And when he was in that garden, what did he say? This was the line from Matthew 26. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus Jesus the Christ is saying, My soul is overwhelmed. He is giving his sorrow, he's giving his grief, he's giving his darkness, his despair, his distress over to God. He might be in a place where he might not not feel God, but he cries out because he knows that God hears him. Sometimes we feel trapped by our circumstances. I'm too depressed. I'm too anxious, I'm too dark, I'm too mournful, my past is too grim. God lets us know through this word of Psalm 88 that we can and we must lift those cries to him. Jesus invites us not to conquer. He doesn't invite us to conquer our despair. Doesn't invite us to conquer our distress, to conquer our darkness, to conquer our anxiety, to conquer our depression, to conquer our circumstances or the world around us. He invites us to conquer or just to simply cry out to Him. Give it to God. Are you seeking Him through your distress? Are you seeking Him through your abandonment? Are you seeking Him through grief? Are you seeking through questions? Are you seeking through darkness? These feelings are real. These feelings that Haman are expressing are are real emotions. And sometimes we try to suppress them. Sometimes we try to diminish them. But when we cry them out, when we seek amidst them, when we give it to God, Wonderful things happen, but Haman here is saying it may not feel that way and it's okay. It's okay. Because at the end of this Psalm, um, uh, the, um, the Hebrew people would go back to the first line and read it over. And so you read that last line, darkness is my closest friend. And then you go back to the top and what does it say? Lord, Lord, you are the God that saves me. You're the God that saves me. Do we, do we believe that today? So what are we gonna do? Are we gonna cry out? Are we gonna seek amidst it? What's gonna happen? Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you today. I don't know what's happening in, in people's lives I don't know the, the circumstances of the, the world around each and every person, Lord, but, but we know. We know that we can cry out to you. We know we can lift our voice up. We know that we can ask questions. We know that you are a big enough God for the laments, the cries, the anguish that we go through. Lord, Haman here is being honest. Let us be honest with ourselves and let us be honest with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song and have a time of movement. Movement matters, so we have communion to the right and to the left and the altar is opened up. And I just pray, I, I, I plead with you to cry out your circumstances. You may feel down, you may feel in a a dark place, but cry it out, give it to God. Or maybe you don't, but there are people around you that do. Charlie talks about lending faith, lending faith to one another. And maybe this prayer is a prayer that you can give to someone else. You can cry out on their behalf. So at this time, let's move. Let's cry out, let's come to the altar communion on the right and left let's cry out to god we hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message again to learn more about gateway franklin church find us online at gatewayfranklin.com thanks for joining us today